0: Well, as we encounter God's Word on this Trinity Sunday, let us begin with prayer. O oh, gracious God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you promise to not only lead us into truth, but to enlighten our hearts. May it be so with the words this day, Amen. Our first Lectionary text is taken from Psalm eight, that beautiful, beautiful psalm that celebrates all of God's glory and and God's given dignity of humans, the importance that God placed on human beings. Here from Psalm 8. O Lord, how sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. And out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have found a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. But when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands and put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the path of the sea. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The word of the Lord. Our gospel lesson. On this Trinity Sunday, speaks of Jesus saying that the Holy Spirit will guide us and lead us into truth. John 16, beginning with verse 12 through 15. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For that reason, I said, that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The word of the Lord. Well, I can sort of resonate with the man who said, I only attend church once a year. It's not Easter, it's not Christmas. I only show up on Trinity Sunday because I love to see my pastor get frustrated and confused trying to explain the Trinity. (laughs) You know, it is a difficult thing to explain. It is a mystery that stumps most pastors. Trinity is not a biblical word. But it's a concept of one God in three persons. And it is one of our major tenets of teachings of our Christian faith. When we have new members class and we talk about the tenets of our faith, those that God is sovereign, that we're saved by grace, those things, the triune God, we believe in the Trinity, is right up there. The Westminster Confession says, In the unity of the Godhead, there are three persons of one substance, power, and eternity. These persons are true expressions of God where their actions as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are simultaneous, always going on at the same time with complete synchronicity. Boy, that's a mouthful. Let's pray. Oh gracious God, help us to understand you and your love for us, an everlasting love, and willing to come to us as Trinity, amen. So as you think of Trinity, let me ask you, what um, person of the Trinity are you closest to? God the Father? God the Son? God the Holy Spirit? You know, as Presbyterians, we kind of focus on God the Father a lot. God, everything's pointed. Our prayers, our liturgy, you know, our music. Our music is very God-centered as Presbyterians. But we try not to neglect the Son or the Holy Spirit, realizing it is three in one. Now, you're aware that there are some churches that... They preach Jesus, 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 Jesus. And you don't hear a lot of God talk or Holy Spirit talk. In fact, it goes to the point of, you know, personal pronouns, you know, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is my boyfriend. No, it's almost that way. There's a lot of Jesus. Other churches, Pentecostal, holiness, there's a lot of Holy Spirit. But all Christian churches believe in God in three persons. This doctrine is for all of Christianity, regardless where the emphasis may be. It is so central to our belief. We almost ignore it. You know, we just sing the doxology, holy, 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 God in three persons, blessed trinity. We do that every week. Every week, we're, we're singing that. When we do a baptism, We baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We hold this child, and as we put water on this child, we are saying, you are a child of the covenant. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. As Presbyterians, pastors, we have no choice. We are to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Now, the Unitarian Church does not necessarily have to do that. So if someone was a member of the Unitarian and decides to come over here, we would rebaptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's that important. Also, every week at the end of the service, whoever is preaching will do a benediction There may be a charge before the benediction, and the charge says, go forth and change the world. It's a a, a charge to you. And then it concludes with a benediction that is Trinitarian. May the love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. Or just the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Bless you. Our benediction is meant to be a blessing from the Godhead. Father, Son, and Spirit is blessing you. That's why the pastor holds out their hands. It's not a prayer by the preacher. It is not. It is the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, blessing you, putting their hands upon you. And when we do a benediction, in awe and reverence, you should bow. And when we do a benediction, there's no reason to do an amen at the end because it's not a prayer that the preacher's saying to God. It is God through the preacher to the people, a benediction. So a benediction is important. We do it every week in Trinitarian fashion. So I was thinking this week, what if if we just knew the first person of the Trinity God the Father, would it limit our relationship and understanding of the fullness of God? You know, God is creator, all-powerful, omnipotent, um, and yet it, I think it would it would cause me to be sort of like the little child who, when asked, "Tell me what is God like?" And his answer was, "God's the one who opens the door at the supermarket and I think you know, we see God, the first person of the Trinity, all-powerful, so God-like, but that God is sometimes transcendent out there and maybe not as approachable as we are used to in our prayers to God. It's sort of like the song From a Distance, God is Watching. And so therefore, we trust that God who is all-powerful, all-sovereign out there came to us in the person of Jesus to let us know what God was really like. Not that distant, out-there God that we could not connect with, but let us know that God is loving and personal and awesome, that part of God came to earth In human form to let us know what God is truly like. You know, I think it's hard to understand why the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit decided to become one of us. It's like they're in wherever they are and they said they're not getting it. And so they said we got to do something about it. And so Jesus said, I will take off my kingly robe, and I will go down as an infant and live a full human life. I think our faith would be so anemic if that had not happened. To see Jesus fully human and fully divine, God came down to experience life He came as an infant who cried and had to be fed, and he grew up in a family and had to learn about relationships and sharing, and he got tired, and he wept, and he got discouraged, and he got frustrated, and he got angry. He was a a man who nearly lost his courage when he faced the cross, and at a moment felt God forsaken. He was a man who faced every temptation that we face, but without sin, because he is divine. The second person of the Trinity. And still, the doctrine of the Trinity means more than that. God did not come into our world 2,000 years ago to just leave us with a memory. Trinity means that God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity is present with us, is our advocate, goes to bat for us, is the one who is praying for us with groans and sighs too deep for words. When we cannot get those words out, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. The God who comforts us with a comfort so that we can comfort those with the same comfort we received. The God who comforts us, and it's not putting a blanket around us, a comforter, and it's not giving us two aspirins and say, lay down, get over your headache. The God of comfort, that word, means that we have been knocked down, and that God stands us back up on our feet makes us strong again so that we can go forth and comfort others with that same strength that we have received. Now, the Bible does not say that the God of comfort is going to take away our suffering. It says it will be with us in our suffering, comforting us, making us strong. Now in preaching, I don't use a whole lot of Greek and Hebrew words. That was not my favorite subject at seminary. But there was one word I just loved. And that word is perichoresis, peri, perimeter, think of that, around the edge. Choresis, uh, the literal word, means dance. And so perichoresis, the dance of the Trinity is the relationship of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit in that perfect dance called perichoresis. And that is a reflection of what human relationships can be. When we can dance in that perfect relationship with one another, it is our ideal. Perichoresis is a technical term. It's called, it, it's about three pe- people of the Trinity, and it was first coined, I think, in the 7th century by John of Damascus, and then suddenly it was rediscovered, or given recent currency by a theologian, contemporary theologians. One was Moltman. Peri Perichoresis, as he explains, shows us the Godhead, that the God in the perfect dance, is inherently social, self-giving, empathetic, ador- adoration of one another, which brings to the dance. That perfect relationship or dance of the three-in-one says that in that relationship, there is no above and below. There is no first, second, and third person of importance, You don't put God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. It's the dance. No ruling or controlling or being ruled or controlled. No position of privilege to be maintained over against the other. No question of conflict of who's in charge. No possible rivalry or competition between the competing individuals. No need to assert independence or authority of one over the expense of the other. In this perichoresis, there's fellowship and community of equals who share all that they have, all that they are with each other, living for each other in a mutual openness, love, and support. That is the inner circle of the Godhead. The doctrine of the Trinity is a holy mystery that we do confess. It is not a mathematical problem that we try to solve. When I think of the Trinity, and I think of Psalm 8, and you consider the Godhead and human potential, we in a relationship with one another have been given that by God. It says that God The It says, we created man and woman in our image, and in that, that's relationship, symbolized in the perichoresis. When the scripture from Psalm 8 says that when I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, that you have established, what are humans that you're mindful of them, mortals that you care for them, yet you have made them a little lower than God, and crown them with glory and honor. That's what the perichoresis has done for us. So, my challenge to you is, can you look at the Trinity, the dance of the perichoresis, and and see that as our model, our quest for how we can live together, that we can serve one another, We can liberate. We can reconcile. We can empower others, and we can break down barriers between the powerful and the powerless, between the superior and the inferior. We can have relationships where there is not patriarchy or matriarchy or authoritarian control, but create communities where there are equal partners who serve each other, and not just themselves. We can do this because we are not on our own. We rely on God the Father, the creative power, God the Son redeeming love, and God the Holy Spirit's presence with us every moment of every day. God the One can truly be experienced in more than one way, amen.